0: book of 1 John. As Pastor Marks already said, we are done with Jonah. So good. That that whooping, that was my backside too that he was talking about. We can put that aside for a little bit, but now we're just running into a whole different set of spankings when it comes to 1 John. So if you've got your Bible, you can flip to the end of it to Revelation and then back up just a handful of books and you'll find your way to 1 John. Now, our purpose of reading this book is to understand what it means to walk the walk, walking the walk of our faith. Now, as you're turning there, let's take a look at what the UCLA Health Board says about walking. Walking is basically a series of tiny controlled falls. Not only does it does each one require a of strength balance and coordination to complete successfully but there's also the added challenge of stringing a series of steps together into a smooth and efficient gait that means pushing off with one leg reaching from the hip with the other extending then bending the knees flexing the ankles and controlling the momentum of the fall by rolling through the foot all of this is monitored by various nerve centers which keep the hundreds of moving parts involved in constant sync. Add in the ongoing spatial awareness required to remain upright and navigate ever-changing terrain, and it's little wonder that even learning to walk can have a steep learning curve. In short, walking's difficult. Walking's hard. The physical act of so many moving parts and for all of us, there are various points in our lives when, one, we couldn't walk. Two, there may have been a point in our time where walking just came naturally we did it without even thinking about it. We got stuck in the routine, the motion, the mundane of not giving walking a second thought. And yet for some, we're even to the point now where it becomes extremely difficult. Each step being more precious and calculated than the last so too is our spiritual walk with God what John provides in this letter and some refer to it more as a treatise or a pamphlet that would have been given out it's not to a specific church this would have been for Christians in general written out and given out but given in faith a reminder that the walk with Christ never ceases action always there's a work in progress to it continually moving forward and yet sometimes you're going to fall sometimes we need a whole lot of help getting back up what we do run to at times with john with the way he writes is john's going to refer to one thing and then refer back to it many times so if over the next few weeks if it feels like i'm going back and forth, or just repeating myself. I'm just going by what John says in the text, but his purpose for doing it is to build a bridge, is to make sure that these are links being put together to understand our walk with the Lord. We'll take these verses slow. Sometimes we'll split them up. Sometimes we're going to dissect them a little different than we typically do. But for now, before we get into all that, let's join together and let's read John, 1 John Chapter 1. Beginning in verse 1. We're just going to read through verse 4 for now. Here we go. What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the Word of life, that life was revealed.
1: And we have seen it
0: and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we also declare to you, so that you may also have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Let's pray together. Oh God, we lay everything else aside in this moment we turn our eyes and our worship, our all towards You. Father, we believe the Bible to be Your Word. It's to change us. It's to mold us. It's to make us see things, experience things, change things about ourselves. Father, above all, may we obey Your commandments, Your Word, today. In Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. Taking things a little bit slow, our first point for today, it just goes through these first four verses that we read. We are looking at the author of fellowship. The author, the originator of fellowship. These first four verses very much a Trinitarian viewpoint, a Trinitarian doctrine of who God is. John doesn't tell us who He is. John doesn't tell us where He's writing from. John doesn't give us a reason as to why He's writing. Boy, He just jumps right into this is what you need to know. This is what we rest our foundation on as a church. And before we can even get into all that, we've got to understand this term that He used a couple of times, fellowship. It's a key word in this text. And it's a key word to the point that John is trying to make to whatever believer reads this text. Now for us though in 2023 we really tended to give fellowship a different meaning. It may even hear me, it might even sound a bit dated in the way that we use it. Because we know that when we say fellowship, most, most oftentimes that's going to be associated with some fried chicken, some sweet tea, maybe some potato salad that I probably wouldn't touch. And good Lord, hoping and willing to pray that somebody brought something chocolate that I can have at the end of my meal. That's what we think of when we think fellowship, okay? now unfortunately in 2023 we wouldn't even refer to that so much or it's more of just a hangout a get-together or doing life together or sometimes we're just trying to holy up one of those things by calling it a fellowship huh. Woo, that makes it sound much more godly if we call it a fellowship but no this is not what fellowship is the term has gotten lost on us because we've watered it down just a The term goes much deeper than giant lunch or a picnic. The Greek term koinonia, that we get fellowship from, it means to intimately share something. And there are times in the Bible where fellowship literally is referred to as a marriage. Think of that closeness, that relationship with a spouse, the closeness that brings out and brings about the good, the bad, and the ugly of a relationship. But we strive for that in the church. And the sharing, the generosity, and the closeness that we saw in first century church that we read about in the book of Acts. We're confident then that John the Apostle, the follower of Jesus, is the one that wrote this letter for several readings for several reasons. Getting back to verse 1, it starts out so similar to the Gospel of John. The way that John 1-1 is written. But also both of them refer back to Genesis 1-1. John jumps right into his credibility as an author. Even before he talks about who he himself is. And he says, look, why can you take my word for what I'm saying? Why can you take my word for what I'm writing? Because I heard it with my own ears. I saw this with my own eyes. I observed and touched the word of life in his name, Jesus. John is saying yet again, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ was real to John. Jesus was revealed to him to be the Son of God, revealed so that Jesus could have fellowship with the disciples in the same way that Jesus has fellowship with God the Father, we too can share in that meaning. Jesus is eternal. He is of the same essence of God, given the same stuff of God, yet distinct from God the Father. Why set this foundation? Why spend four verses talking through this before setting up anything else? In the time that John is writing this, there is already a strong faction of people 20 to 30 years after Jesus was on the earth, maybe a little bit longer, people are trying to dispute that Jesus was even a human being. Get that again. Jesus has been gone for 30, 40, 50 years, somewhere in there, and people are already trying to dispute the fact that he walked on this earth, that he was a human being. To the Gnostics. Those that are disputing this, Jesus was merely a wondrous apparition. It was revealed to John, though, and the apostles. This is what he testifies to in these verses. That through a fellowship with Jesus, other believers also could have true fellowship with God the Father. And the Apostle wants to make sure that we understand that the church understands the closeness, the intimacy that we all can have in relationship with Him. Guess what? Why? Why? Why is that such a big deal? Why it takes so much time to, to discuss it? Well, He says it in verse 4. So that our joy can be made complete. More on that animal. Now, let's go back to our text beginning in verse 5. And let's read throughout the rest of the chapter. This is the message. We have heard from Him and declare to you. God is light. And there is absolutely no darkness in Him. If we say we have fellowship with Him, and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as He Himself is the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. But if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us we confess our sins, He is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His Word is not in us. Second point of today, to be alone in the dark. We go from God, the author of fellowship, to now being alone in the dark. As you've probably seen, 1 John is full of stark contrasts, absolute generalities that may be taken out of context if we don't read them correctly. But it's also written in a literary style, a literary method of parallels, coupling together two different things. So we see the positive and the negative, the right and the wrong. Boom. Let's sandwich right there together. So here's what we're going to do. For point number two, we're just taking the negative. Taking into consideration all the negative connotations that John just wrote down. We've got to be wary of walking in darkness. Literally, what he means here is to persist in sin. Let's be clear Believer in Jesus Christ is in no way perfect. It won't be perfect until completely glorified in heaven. But to walk in darkness, this phrasing that John is doing goes a little bit deeper than that. It means here that the people he's addressing, this is written to believers, but he is putting a distinction between a believer and an unbeliever. <laughs> one that may fall or one that continuously falls. There's a distinction. Some may claim with their mouth to be followers of Jesus Christ, but yet they persist in sin. First John calls them a liar. And there is no truth in it. One that continuously lives in a sinful lifestyle. One that knows the Word of God, what God says, and still purposefully, continuously goes against it. All they're doing is talking the talk. But think about when you're in darkness and you're trying to walk. Well, you're walking blind. And you're walking into one danger and into the next. And as a spiritually blind person in verse 8, the deception grows to a point that you can even tell yourself, I have no sin. In its simplest form, is this not what James teaches us? That we must be doers of the Word and not hearers only, therefore deceiving ourselves. Church, tell me. Make sure you get this. Two different scenarios. If I'm in need and I ask a favor of you and you look at me in the face and say, I've got it. And then I turn around later on and I ask you, did you do this for me? And you say, nope. you heard me, but you didn't do what I asked. There is a marked difference between I ask you to do a favor for me and you say, got it. And then you turn right around and you do it. You did what I asked. There's a difference. Why have we gotten to the point where we have grown content to say, boy, that sure was a good sermon. Boy, let me tell you, my Bible study was so rich this morning, but then we choose not to do what the Word says. And as a result of continuously not doing what God's Word says, we've become so calloused and so disillusioned, we believe that we are sinless. We've got this Christian thing wrapped up so nice. Or we shrug off our sin as someone else's because we can point the finger and and put the blame on, well, it was my brother or sister in Christ that made me do this. Or you know who it was. It was that devil again that did, you know, it's just, devil and his demons that are coming after me. Listen, I hate to tell you, but when we stand in judgment, the devil has already been judged. When we stand in judgment, we are the ones that have to take responsibility for our sins and the only thing that we can plead and confess is that it's Jesus Christ that covers me. I know that I'm filthy and I couldn't do anything, but it's Jesus that saves me. We must take responsibility for our sin. And if this be the case, Similar to how we summed up Jonah, if we continue living and walking in this path, we misrepresent the Gospel. We misrepresent the God who is light. If the gospel is distorted, even though we have the right Sunday school answers, but our heart and our mind have not been transformed by the Holy Spirit, there is no truth. There is no light living within us, and therefore there is no fellowship, there is no intimacy, no closeness with the Lord whatsoever. So that's the thing. But looking at point number three, the joy of fellowship. This comes from verses seven and nine. Again, what is fellowship? To walk in the light. To walk consistent with the word of God. I know I've said it to you before and I'm going to tell you again. Listen, if we want to do what the word of God says, we've got to actually know what's in the word of God. We've got to actually open this thing up. Blow the dust off of it that may have been there for a little while. Crack it open and hear those pages rippling for the first time. And then whatever's in it, that is what you're called to do. That is how we live in fellowship. If the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path, then there's no two ways about it that God's Word has got to be a priority over everything else in our life. Any other tradition, any other uh, family background, any other kind of ritual, any other kind of man, I'd rather do this, and boy, this sure is fun, and boy, this gives me a whole lot of joy. The Word of God has got to be the priority. To follow Jesus is to surrender to His Word. To deny His Word is to deny His commands and to rest on our own understanding. To walk in the light is to walk with Jesus because Jesus is the light. Now, notice who else we're supposed to be walking with. It's not just a walk with the Lord. But John says that as we walk with him, we will also be walking with everyone else as well. So check this out. God, the father has fellowship with God, the son. They're the same essence. Just like we said, God desires fellowship with his creation us. And he does so by providing the bridge Jesus Christ, his fellowship that he has, we can have fellowship with Jesus Christ who believe in him because believers are in agreement that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and he is our path to the Father. Okay, here we go. So we also, in agreement of that, we must share a fellowship with one another. We share a closeness. We must share an intimacy and a generosity in relationship to one another that is different from anything else that the world will provide for us. Just another example, and I'm preaching to the choir because you're here, but our faith cannot be acted out alone. It must be acted out in the presence, in the corporate worship of other believers as well. If our fellowship with one another, if we display, if we represent that we have fellowship with God, we understand that it is through the blood of the Son that cleanses us from all sin. According to verse 7. And as we walk in the light, the light will always, always expose darkness. It exposes sin. But the best news that I can share with you today, verse 9, So clearly states that the light will take care of the darkness. And if we confess, confess our sins, Jesus Christ is faithful and righteous to forgive. This confession isn't something that's just muttered underneath our breath. This confession is not something that should just be private and it's a a pact between you and God that, yeah, I'll do better. This confession is not something that you have to go to another church and sit down with a pastor and you've got to confess to him because he's the one that's going to allow your sins to be forgiven. No, no, no. Confession is getting on our knees before God, recognizing the weight of our sin, understanding the magnitude of our rebellion, but also understanding His goodness and His grace and surrendering that His way is our only way. And in some cases, confession has to be between other believers as well. You might have confessed it before God, but until it is completed, until it is completely taken care of, James 5 says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Forgiveness between people is often part of the healing process. Well, Kyle, I've taken care of it, and it's already taken care of between me and God. But I'm not going to tell that no good, sorry, no nothing, son. But you know what? Anything about that, I was wrong. What kind of heart is that? What kind of repentance is that? What kind of a change and transformation of the Holy Spirit is that? That's not real forgiveness. That's not real repentance. And you might think that you're right between you and God, but God hasn't forgiven that either because that sin still on your heart, Jack. The confession to God may not be completed until the obedience of confession to a brother or sister is completed as well. Forgiveness from God cleanses and covers us in His righteousness. Not at all that we are righteous or perfect on our own. But now we are clothed. We are covered in the perfection of Jesus Christ. And that is the fellowship that we have with Jesus. That's the intimacy that we have with our Heavenly Father through the faith in Jesus Christ. And what does that produce? What does that give us? It brings joy. Pure, unadulterated joy. Not a superficial emotion. It's not a false sense of happiness. It it comes with the ups and downs of life, but it is going to give forgiveness. It's going to bring repentance. It's going to bring a closeness with God. It brings a joy that cannot be touched. It builds a faith that cannot be wavered. It provides an endurance to get through all of the trials and suffering and junk that the world is going to throw at you. It is guaranteed. So the question becomes, do you recognize joy that comes from the Lord in your life? Joy that comes through the Holy Spirit living within you. Joy brings a desire. A desire to converse with God in prayer. Joy brings a desire to hear from God through His Word. Joy produces a desire to obey God and obey His commands. Joy produces a desire for repentance. These are the marks of joy. But a believer, like some mentioned in 1 John, may be losing their joy. It's not that they've lost their salvation, but they've allowed obligation to offset desire. They've allowed task or religious tradition to be more important than devotion. Joy is lost when routine is more important than fellowship. What's the main idea? I've said a lot. Matthew 22 looks like this. Teacher... Which command in the law is the greatest? He said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. The second is like this Love your neighbor as yourself. Main idea. True fellowship with God and his church is a walk that produces joy true fellowship between God and the church goes both directions it's a walk that produces joy joy is absent when parts of the walk are lacking we just read it what all takes place in walking if any one of those elements of going like this breaks down, we fall down. Amen. In our spiritual walk, when elements break down, we fall down. Amen. Are you thankful daily for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ? Is worship of Jesus Christ a daily occurrence through the seeking of God in God's Word? Is obedience to God an intentional part of your day out of the overflow of your heart is the fellowship with God's people and for granted You just assume that you're going to be able to walk this way forever and it has become routine, mundane, running through the motions. Or is each one of your steps intentional? As if your next step depended on it, do you take every single step down to the detail with that i want to ask the band to come on with that i want to make sure we have an understanding that we're either walking in fellowship walking the walk or we're not it means that we've come to an understanding of saving grace in jesus christ or not It means that we are saved, that we are in a process of repentance where repentance becomes part of our everyday. Repentance is a mindset. Repentance is an understanding that I'm not going to be perfect until I get to heaven or not. Do you recognize sin in your life? Or has pride gotten so powerful in your life you're able to stare someone in the face and say, "Ah, I don't have sin. Today is a day for confession, for repentance, it may start with forgiveness from the Lord, a changing of the mind, a changing of the heart, which is where we get the term repentance from. It may be reaching out to your neighbor after you've confessed it to the Lord and saying, hey, "We, I've held this in for whatever amount of time, and it's time for us to get on the same page." Humbling yourself and saying, "I'm sorry." but the understanding even pride falls and as we confess still today July the 2nd 2023 Jesus Christ is faithful to cleanse and forgive maybe you've begun to walk maybe you're tired of walking who knows where you are in your walk but you know that there needs to be confession there needs to be a turnaround confess at these altars Turn around and make your chair an altar and you can confess there. Maybe you're here and you say, well, God, I haven't even started my walk. I don't even know what a walk means, but I want to believe that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. I want a fellowship, fancy church word, for an intimacy and a closeness with God. How can I do that? Come talk to me. We'll have that conversation. What it means to confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord to do that. Let's pray. Father, Your Word is living. It's active. And it pierces hearts. It goes forward. doesn't come back to Lord, in our time, in our day, where so many other things take a priority, oh God in heaven, Reveal to us our pride. Reveal to us what Your Word says. How we are to confess and how good You are. That in Your faithfulness and in Your righteousness You will cleanse and forgive through the blood of Jesus Christ. We celebrate that. We worship that today, O God. Lord, in our fellowship with You, Teach us, God, true repentance. Turning away from it, so that we may continue to walk in Your life. In Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen. We're going to stand together and sing one more song. But while we do, this is our opportunity to respond as God is speaking to you through His Word. Let's be obedient. until 8 o'clock. We are setting up this bad boy for Vacation Bible School going on the following week. So if you are able, if you've got the time, you can spend both hours, you can spend one of the hours, whatever you think you Do. Come help us transform this place into BBS on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday of this week. Other than that, that is all I've got. Hope you have a great week. When we get out of here, we love God, we serve others, and we show grace. Have a good one. Thank you so much for listening to Grace Baptist Cartersville podcast. If you would like more of Grace Baptist Cartersville, make sure you check out our GBC Young Adults podcast. Also, make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and our services on YouTube.